0: it was helping others and you know that had tremendous value for me like if, if my suffering can help somebody else then that's you know that's the ultimate uh, sense of uh, purpose and that's incredibly gratifying you know to feel like what I there that there was some I can attribute some sort of meaning to the the things that I have uh, you know endured.
1: Let's link up with Krista on the fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. 3 Two, one. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 25 of The Fix. I am your host, Krista Huber, and we are joined by Courtney Turner for an episode that honestly covers more topics in an hour or so than I have in any other episode. When you hear Courtney's resume and you hear her backstory, I think that'll come as no surprise. She is... A podcaster herself has a show called the Courtney Turner Podcast, a speaker, a personal trainer and mindset coach, a political pundit and writer, an aerial performer and an actress. And Courtney was honestly not supposed to be here. And I'm going to let you guys hear that directly from her and, and allow her to break that down because it's just such an incredible story of inspiration and Resiliency. Throughout our conversation and I was learning more and more about how she got to where she is today, I just couldn't help but sit there and think to myself, wow, you don't know what you're capable of until you have literally every odd thrown against you and every obstacle in your way. But you get up and you try again every single day. Courtney shared some pretty incredible stories with me about her childhood, some stories with me about her career as an actress, her auditioning for American Ninja Warrior and how that really kind of pushed her to, I, I shouldn't even say push her, it forced her accidentally, let's say it'll make more sense when she walks you through it, talk about her past and where she's been and the woman that she's grown into. And this message is one that's very inspiring, very educational, and gives you just a positive and hopeful look on the fact that if there's anything going on in your life that's tough, you can do it. And an important component of our conversation as well is the fact that movement is therapy. For Courtney, having faced so many disabilities throughout her life and being told that she would be unable to do things and figuring out a way to make them happen and really appreciating that she moves because of, as she says, not in spite of the limitations that have been placed on her is a lesson for anybody in not taking for granted what your body is able to do and using that as a reminder that it's not about punishing yourself to go through something. A workout should make you feel good. It should make you be proud of what you can accomplish. That doesn't mean it can't be hard. It doesn't mean it can't be challenging. And it should certainly be those things. But there's also, like I said, a therapeutic component to it. And it's also a great reminder to nourish your body and give it the fuel that it needs, the food that it needs, because it's good for you and because it tastes good. Courtney's story is a lesson in resiliency And it's a lesson in standing up for what's important to you and pursuing the life that you want to pursue and living that to the fullest. So I hope you guys feel a strong sense of inspiration as much as I did from being a part of this conversation when we first recorded it a few months ago and listening to it back to it a few times since and editing it to get it out to you guys today. As always, you'll hear this reminder at the end of the show, but just want to stress this one. If you like this conversation, if you've been enjoying the show, would really appreciate it if you leave a review, share it with a friend, post it up on your Instagram stories, let us know how you liked it, and let me know what other content you're interested in hearing about. I love interacting with my followers on social media, and podcasting can be a little bit passive in that way unless we're using other platforms to connect. So reach out to me anytime. Best way to do so is at the Krista Huber on Instagram check those dms very often and always am available there and i would love to just get some feedback on the show and get some insight into what you guys are interested in learning more about what you're interested in diving into in more detail when it comes to nutrition when it comes to fitness when it comes to wellness maybe entrepreneurship or a completely different topic there are so many great people out there with really cool stories to share and i love having the opportunity to give them a the platform to do so so with that let's check in with courtney turner
0: I, I would say I'm definitely a survivor and a warrior. I I I, I always say that from con- conception, my spirit, my soul, wanting to be here, and really fought to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, my mom had German measles during first trimester of pregnancy. Wow. So I was born with several complications and, uh, we can get into some of those later cause it'll take a little bit longer than 30 seconds, but, <laughs> um, but basically they told my mom, the best she could hope was to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. So wow. I would say that I am really somebody with a very strong passion, uh, will for life, um, and, uh, yeah, I'm a mover. I'm a thinker and, uh, I I'm a people lover.
1: Beautiful. I love it. Well, we're happy to get into all of that. And I didn't even I didn't realize that everything you face from a health standpoint dates all the way back to before you were even physically with us. Um, on this earth. So that, that's really wild. And that's, I'm, I can't imagine the journey that you've been on with it. So I'm, ha- I'm happy that you've, you know, found the strength to even talk about it too and share, share that with other people. And of course, your podcast is a bl- great platform to do that. Other people's like this show are great to do that. So I'm sure we will get into a lot of the mental health components of that and how that's really been able to will you to continue to push forward as you face a lot of adversity. Um, so before we get into that, keeping it light to get started, I ask all of my guests the same question. What's your go-to coffee drink of choice? How do you start your morning if it's not with a little caffeine? Walk us through what that looks like for you.
0: Um, so I drink keto coffee. It's, I'm not familiar uh, with that, like, what is it? Oh, uh, they come in these little cans. Okay. And uh, I usually drink the espresso one. Nice. It's like a little shot and I drink the caramel flavor. It's just super easy. Uh, it's really yummy and it's like i think it's 180 milligrams of caffeine we like that
1: gets the job done
0: and it it has a little bit of protein in it so it's just like a yeah a good little kick in the morning
1: perfect little morning Uh, concoction nice did you find that out in california or when did you yeah
0: or you can order them online okay nice yeah
1: awesome we'll have to look into it and link it down in the show notes so everybody can go and check it out that's very cool Um, I'm a big espresso girl myself. I like to get a latte, add a few extra shots to it. Just get me revved up and going for the day. I
0: love coffee. I'm not like, it doesn't actually affect me all that much, except Mm -hmm. if I have too much. If I sure
1: I'm I'm kind of like that too. Yeah. put
0: me to sleep if I have too much.
1: Oh, really? Okay. That's so weird. Tell me about what you're currently up to. I know I kind of want to jump around a little bit, but I think for you, since you have so many major components of what you do that in a lot of ways are pretty different, I would love for you to start off and tell us a little bit about Truth Matters, how that ties into your podcast and then your website. So
0: I guess the two things that I'm a really you know immersed in right now are my own podcast and truth matters and truth matters is a journalistic site i am working with two others on it and we are really trying to it's in pursuit of truth we're mm-hmm. trying to return to uh, you know journalistic integrity there's definitely you know before we went recording um we were discussing you know objectivity in journalism and
1: how hard for- that is to achieve
0: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I am somebody who personally does not believe that the goal is to absolve yourself with bias. We're mm-hmm. human.
1: Because we you can't. See. Exactly. It's like, that's like an impossible task.
0: So we can only see through our own eyes. You know, mm-hmm. I can't put on your lens right. and see the world through it. So mm-hmm. I, and nor do I think that we should. I actually don't think that that's a goal. I think that we have a much better chance of learning, understanding, and Really, uh, you know, if we're going to find a middle ground mm-hmm. or you know and understand the other person's position, we do that. We're better equipped to do that when we know where they're coming from. So I, what I would like to see is more transparency. However, the goal of Truth Matters is what we're what we've seen is while nobody can absolve themselves of bias, mm-hmm. we've seen such a stray from even sharing the facts. Sure. And the so truth matters. Of course, you know, we're very uh, you know, transparent that we are conservative, mm-hmm. you know, alternative media. Um, you know, we are not mainstream media. We are not uh we're not on the left, you know, we're very uh transparent about that. And I think that that's important. It's important to show, uh, you know, transparency and, you know, be honest about where you are. Uh but what we really want to do, we have really been striving for is to bring forth the facts. So, of course, they come through our lens, but we're presenting the facts. We're not creating stories. We're not, you know, trying to, you know, uh, create like clickbait, you know. <laughs> we're just presenting the facts through our lens and, you know, through our writing and, and our uh, videos and podcasts that we're doing. So, and through other people's perspectives that we are putting, uh, presenting on the site. So,
1: What really prompted the desire for you to come up with this? And can it tell me about the I think you mentioned you have two other partners that you work with on the project? Who are they and how did you guys get connected?
0: Um, So I have been involved in several, uh, you know, streams of uh, communities, if you will. Totally. Uh, I have been very involved politically, uh, you know. For as long as I can remember. When I was in sixth grade, I started a board for school choice. So uh, <laughs> love it. <laughs> so I've always been kind of active in that arena. Um, yeah, they actually did implement school choice six years after I graduated. No I don't way. know if I actually had a role, but I well we can
1: we, you you made your opinion heard, right? So I,
0: I, yeah, I mean it was the first uh, board to ever have been created for it. So that's amazing. Uh, you know, hopefully I did set the, the ball in motion. And uh, I'd like to take some credit for that, but, but all that to say that I do, you know, I've always had uh, very strong opinions. It's been something that I've always been passionate about. Um, you know, I, I come from a very strong psychology and philosophy background. So wow. politics is the way that, you know, the society can function together. Human beings, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, they to protect their inalienable rights, sure, you know, and their, their safety and security. Um, So, yeah, so as a result of my interest in psychology and philosophy, uh, politics has been a derivative of that, and I'm much more interested from a, uh, you know, philosophical uh, political perspective, um, you know, or even a psychological perspective than I am necessarily in the day-to-day current events, although those have been, you know, quite interesting as of late yeah uh, as an
1: example of how you can kind of study why people do what they do correct is that what you kind of Mm
0: -hmm. um well and also you know to to understand the trajectory of where we've come from where we're going so to answer your question what preempted this is Mm -hmm. that i have been involved in a lot of these different streams and you know this past year has been uh you know very heightened in the political arena and i I, you know, I had been very silent for a while about my, my opinions, mm-hmm. uh, mostly to because of my job and because of the industries I was in. Sure. I live in Santa Monica, California. I was
1: going to ask that question next. What, <laughs> so keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I've experienced, I, I am pretty sure that I have lost work. Um, You know, I won't go into too much detail on that and, but you know, it's, it's been, the, the cancel culture is very, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people do get fired. People do get bullied. Uh, people do get harassed. People, you know, are, their lives and their livelihood are threatened. And my feeling pretty early in the lockdown was, I, I years ago, I used to write for uh, Polivichicks. I used to write. In oh, okay. Magazine. Um, and I had dated a political pundit. And so I was very involved at the time. And then I kind of stepped away for a lot of reasons it was partly, you know, very emotional and stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but also because I, I was an actress and a producer, and, uh, you know, I, and then when I moved into the fitness industry, they were all just such a uh, you know, left-leaning industry. Sure. I was
1: going to say that's that's a really hard environment to it, – it's stereotypic. And I, maybe it's not even stereotypical, but, you know, you think Hollywood and you think it's a very – it all leans one way.
0: Yes. So I – but what I, I was getting – I read my thesis on existential authenticity, and I say that to say that that's very much how I live my life. Okay. And I – Realized that I felt very strongly about part of the problem is that people on the right don't speak up because they want to be polite, because they don't want to be canceled, because they're scared, uh, you know, all very valid reasons. But I felt like I didn't want to be part of the problem. And so, uh, pretty early in the lockdowns, I started to, you know, just slowly voice my opinions. And, uh, you know, I became more and more involved, uh, you know, certainly with the, everything that was going on, with the elections. and it was a it was a slow kind of progression um but i realized i really couldn't stay silent anymore and with this uh past you know year i think one of the biggest problems i've seen is in the media and so you know when talking to uh some of these people who i'm on these various threads with you know we were discussing that that's really i i feel kind of the enemy of the people and uh, that i wanted to see if there was a way that i could make a difference and change some of that and Again, I'm a believer that, you know, if if I'm seeing a problem, I don't wanna talk about it. I wanna be part of the solution, so.
1: Totally, I love that. I think that's, you know, you you make a lot of great points and I'm curious for you as your background as an actress and in the production world, Even though you you mentioned, you know, you kind of started in the political arena from the writing perspective, do you find that it's easier for you and your training and your expertise to express yourself in a medium like this versus writing? And is that really what kind of encouraged you to come up with not only just your website, but also using things like podcasting to be able to shed light on what you want to talk about?
0: That's a really interesting question. Um, I think they're very, very different. Yeah, they are. I I actually really like to write. Um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So once it's, you know, in written form, it's, uh, I really, it's hard for me to just release it. So I I kind of deliberate. I'm the uh, same. So that, yeah. (laughs) So that element of it, it's it's a little bit more um, time consuming, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least energy consuming in that. Sure. Um, But. It, it, and less raw, because, you know, it, it's worked. But I I really enjoy the written word. I, I think that there's a lot of power um, and cogency in a, a written argument. Um, and by argument, I don't mean in the sense of being mm-hmm. contentious, but, you True. know, in putting your thoughts forth um, and making your... Uh, thoughts heard. So I, I really enjoy both. I think the difference for me is that the podcasting aspect of it is the the connection with others. Sure. I, I like to communicate to to feed off. It's, it's a conversation and mm-hmm. we can feed off each other. We can learn from each other. Um, you know, there, there's a growth in that process. The writing, the written process for me is a little bit more of my own catharsis. I think it's a way of really honing uh, what you what your thoughts are part of thinking is actually formulating your words and right. and presenting them and presenting them in a way that's intelligible to others mm-hmm. so so I I don't know I yeah. I'm doing both right now so I think yeah. that's
1: great I think that's great I think you know it, it I also think I love what you said about writing and actually putting putting it down on paper and then poking fun at yourself and saying you're a perfectionist i actually think that for me i've seen a lot of my love for writing much in the same way as you and and coupled with the fact that i want it to sound the exact right way and feel like i picked the exact right word it's trickled into my podcasting because when i do go to edit and play things back things back i'm like why did i say that that way and i'm sure that it sounds all right. And it sounds fine. And if I just let it go and put it out onto my Apple and Spotify channels, no one would really know the difference. Right. But for me, it's like, I can't sit with that because I know there was a better, more eloquent way or better word choice or a way to say things more succinctly that I continually challenge myself with every podcast that I do just be like, okay, stop talking.
0: (laughs) What's really fascinating to me is I think there's something like Uh, The last time I read it was 750,000 words in the English language Mm -hmm. and most people only use, most people who speak English only use 500 of them. Repeatedly. That's
1: wild. Saying kind of like on the the journalism vein, um, tell me about your experience so far with releasing these articles. Um, what kinds of conversations, you know, for anybody listening who's not familiar with Telegram, uh, I think it's important to note that it is the type of, well, we'll call it an app for all intents and purposes, but it's a chat platform. So it's a place for you to be able, in your context, your you know putting out content and then i imagine it's kind of that place where you've set up the community for people to have conversations so how, what has it been like for you to build that um how is it going where and what direction do you see it going into you can answer any of those questions all of them any order that you want but like describe awesome. it to us for someone who's not in par- part of the group and may be interested
0: awesome yeah so telegram is actually a russian app um Part of the reason a lot of people have been moving over to it, we're also on Gab, mm-hmm. um, and we're, both, we're on those two platforms for the same reason, really, because they're free speech platforms. There's been a tremendous amount of censorship on some of the other, uh, you know, big tech yes. social media platforms, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so we we will be up on all of them. But we wanted to make sure that our you know building communities were in a platform that was one encrypted. Telegram is encrypted. Um, So it's a private chat. It cannot be viewed. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really important to us, Um, you know, just for everybody's security, because there are people who may have views and want to have conversations, but, you know, are worried because they may be in industries like, you know, Hollywood per se, Um, you know, so we want to be respectful of that. Building it has been really interesting. You know, I I think I was joking last week about an article I wrote and, uh, you know, it, it took didn't take that long to write the article and I think I spent just as long trying to promote <laughs> the article, like sending everybody the Telegram page and putting it up on my other That part media
1: is platform. so hard. We'll talk more about that, but keep going. Yeah. I'm glad um, you mentioned that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that part is definitely the marketing is a job mm-hmm. itself. So um, but yeah, the Telegram has been, you know, just building the community has been great. Um I am grateful that I have two other partners on this project. I'm going so mm-hmm. to doing everything alone. Alone, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Hear you there, sort of girl. Daunting and overwhelming, and uh, it's nice to have people to bounce things off of and to, you know, uh, and just split up some of the work mm-hmm. and to, uh, but really, it's that exchange of ideas which I, I really cherish. So yeah,
1: much. that seems very integral to what you're trying to do. Is like yeah. your overall message, regardless yeah. of the topic.
0: Absolutely. So. Right now, you know, the website should be up in the next, uh, I I would say probably two weeks. uh, So we'll probably have that up and, uh, we're doing our first podcast today. So the three of us will do once a week, every, uh, we'll do a two hour podcast with the three of us. We're also going to be doing some, you know, like on on the ground kind of interviews with other people, you know, short little clips, uh, more like turning point kind of style. Um, but yeah but I mean and we all write an article every week right now that's kind of you know just get up and going so we already have I actually believe we have seven articles as of today we'll have eight so far so yeah that's fantastic that's so
1: exciting yeah congratulations um hold on one sec I my dog is being so loud I never won't be able to edit it so let me calm her down hey come here I'm going to give her a bone. Hang on. I don't know. It's really cold here, and I don't want to take her outside. She's only like four pounds, so she doesn't like it. (laughs) Give me one second. Hey. All right, she seems good for right now. She has a bone that's like, oh, she's back. She has a bone that's like bigger than her. It's one of those bully bully sticks. This is her. Say hi, hello. Say hi. She's so cute, right? Yeah, she's like six months old. Oh, yeah. She makes a lot of guests guest appearances on the show. She likes to meet everybody. Yeah. Okay. Back to where back to where you were. So love that you're you're you know for multiple reasons having other people that you collaborate with this on just to get different ideas and being a part of groups I even think just us connecting with Chase and uh you know his his whole initiative with Operation Podcast huge testament to that right because if you have other people who are also trying to work on building something much in the same way that you are they can understand like I completely related to when you just said I wrote this article and then it I felt like I spent more of the time just promoting it than I did actually writing it. And that, that can be a little frustrating if we're, if we're going to be really honest, like I have a lot of fun doing my social media content, but sometimes I just wish people would appreciate more how much work goes into that. Cause all they see is the one post. Right. And I'm
0: like, girl, so
1: I, if I you don't... only knew how long it took me to put all that together and plan it out.
0: I'll, I'll be really honest. Like Social media is not all that fun for me. I'm not somebody who is like, and that's so
1: okay. It's so yeah, okay.
0: I, and I, I know some, there are people who really do enjoy that whole impression. I'm actually a pretty private person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I'm one of those people when I am having an amazing time, I will forget to take a single picture. Sure, I, I'm much more immersed in the, mo- I'm in the moment. I'm a quality time person. That mm-hmm. you know, so I get very caught up in the moment and it's always, I always have to be really conscious to remind myself, take a picture, do, you you know, and to be really honest, that takes me out of the experience. Sure. It's not, mm-hmm. um, I'm not uh, exhibitionistic in that way. And that, that okay. I don't mean that to be pejorative to people who are, no. That's, it's yeah. a personality trait. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like, I love the connection aspect. Um, so that I, I really cherish and I love the opportunity to be able to connect with others, but the the putting stuff out there and then waiting to see who responds and and even just the the whole process of all of it is not my favorite part. What I'm doing with Truth Matters is a little bit different because I feel like that's a, again it's more of an exchange of ideas, sure. so it's less of uh, promoting it. But even mm-hmm. just putting up the stuff, putting that stuff up on my other social media platforms. Right. It's just not that. Yeah, it's a process, necessary thing to do because Mm -hmm. you know, got to get the word out there exactly. And for what I am trying to do. I uh, you know, it doesn't have value if people don't read it, you know, so mm-hmm. or, or watch it, you know, so yeah. it, it's important. And I understand that that's, you know, and an integral part of it, but it's not my favorite. To be yeah. Honest. And I
1: think, you know, I think it's better to be to be able to recognize that you don't love doing something because that's the quickest way to figure out what you should be outsourcing to somebody else. Yep. I think as someone, you know, being an entrepreneur yourself in many ways, wearing different hats, as we've already made clear, it's probably the hard part when you're first getting started, because like you even said, you're so used to doing everything by yourself. A lot of that comes from just trying to operate lean and you wish you had this big budget, but you don't have it. And yeah. you you kind of have to take on the everything and and you don't want to cut corners, but you want to do it to the best of your ability. There comes a point when you got to say, okay, you know, in my business, for example, with nutrition coaching, i love to do social media like to the point where i like spending time on canva and design tools and making it look pretty but if that's going to come at the expense of me doing lead generation is that the best use of my time cool that i'm good at it and yeah i could probably do a little bit faster than the average person so maybe it's not the first thing that i would outsource but i need to be cognizant of like all right there's going to become a point where even if it's going to be a stretch for me to get someone else to help me with this, I just got to go for it because it's going to hold me back in my business and some other other capacity. Right. So for you with being involved in so many different things, most of which up until this point, you've really done on your own. How do you manage that? Like what, maybe you have some tips for people with like top time management skills or what, what does your creative process look like? Is it changing all the time?
0: Is it, it, it is. I always say this when I have kids. Uh, the one thing I'm going to drill into them is the importance of time management. <laughs> right. I it know. Is not my strong suit. I, it's it tough. Is. And I think you know, I, I I was having this conversation recently with someone. It's, I in a way, I think it's part of my strength. is part of my weakness. Um, I do really well under pressure. I'm mm-hmm. a very fast learner. Um, things, do, you know, I usually get things pretty quickly, and so as a result. I I do very well under pressure, um, and I almost like that pressure, and I need that pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as a result, I tend to procrastinate. It's it's not something. It's I'm also
1: one of the only ways you know when you're working for yourself, yeah. that's the only way you can create that pressure, right? Right. Because you exactly. have to create the deadline. Because otherwise, it's just like, well, I don't have anyone to report this to other than myself. I'll tell yeah. myself stories in my head of why I can wait to do this for X amount of time.
0: Yeah. So in terms of my creative process, it's very different for different things. I am a deep dive person in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't do superficial well. I don't do cursory. I, everything I do is really like I dive all in. Um, And so as a result, like with my writing process, the actual writing doesn't take me that long. I always think it does, but when I compare notes, it actually really doesn't. But what I realized is I do a lot of pre-writing. I do a lot of time thinking about the topic in my head, when I go for walks, when I work out, when, you know, just out and about, there's a lot of like percolating in before I actually sit down and write. Um, so that's, you know, I, and I'm not somebody, I think this is part of why this social media thing is a little bit frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to just, uh, for things to be contrived. And I, I know a lot of it is about, you. Know, you can't wait for the inspiration. But I am, I, I am a creative in a sense. And when, when I'm inspired, I'm really inspired. Um, but when I'm not, I, I don't do well with things that feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Do you feel
1: pressure I- for when, – when you're talking about the contrived piece and, like, you don't do well when things feel forced, is that – do you feel the pressure coming from, like, one of kind of like the golden rules of, if we want to call it that of social is that consistent presence and yeah. so you feel like And even, I,
0: i've let go of that to be, yeah. i'm just too busy doing yeah I, do.
1: I know i, I have, have been flow with it for that exact reason
0: yeah i have between two and four podcasts daily mm-hmm. whether it's mine or other people's. yeah
1: podcast. we know how time consuming writing that
0: writing is yeah yeah exactly i'm writing articles i'm you know doing all this networking and pr- preparing to get the site launched mm-hmm. um you know, I, I have my training, like there's just, and then there's life, you know? Right, so, exactly. And keeping up with the news cycle is, you know, because that's what I'm doing is very, very time consuming. Mm-hmm. There's no shortage of material right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's so true. I already think idea. about that
1: aspect. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I'm constantly reading articles and watching mm-hmm. clips and, you know, discussing things with people and, uh, you know, formulating my ideas and thoughts and opinions and, so that, that's a lot of time and energy and I just don't have that kind of time to be creating content right now. So oh, yeah. I have let that, you know, pressure go. But I, I was just saying that when you're uh, somebody who, when I get inspired, mm-hmm. sometimes I don't have the time to, you know, don't. Yeah. So my creative process is more just to allow myself that, you know, that time to float in and out of the different things that I'm working on. Um, but to, to, I I know enough about myself that at this point to know that a lot of my creative process actually happens before I immerse myself. And then when I immerse myself, I need to have time to really just
1: Mm -hmm. just zone in on that.
0: Exactly. I'm very like an intensive ADD. So uh, that's the other end of it. So I can hyper focus, Mm -hmm. but I need that time to just hyper focus, dive all the way in.
1: So. Yeah. I And I really, I so can strongly identify with the podcasting piece. You know, if you're doing, I even find like once I do two episodes a day, it's like, not that this is a bad thing, but half my day is gone. You know, with podcasting, I appreciate that you brought the point up of being on sh- someone else's show, recording other shows. It really is time consuming. We talked about this when we were planning. I, I reserve like a good ninety minutes for every episode, not with the intention of talking for that long, right? Just with a buffer of like technology issues, and then setting it up, and then you know something happens in the background, and or you do another show and it gets runs over, like whatever. It's it's super tough, and I like love to have live and die by my calendar. Like I love my little Calendly, and it really has helped me yeah. time block and be more focused and effective. But at the same time, I feel like to your point it's like you're really good at it but then in some ways you feel like really bad at it too right
0: yeah, yeah i guess that's exactly yeah like in some ways i feel really good at it, in some ways i'm really bad at it yeah. i i think what i'm you know i'm good at delivering so like i the unfortunate part of that is that i i need that pressure, say, so and I you probably
1: say yes to a lot of things because you I are do. i do good at delivering
0: yeah i've gotten better about that 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 comes with age you know, I can. Like, yeah, I, I can see that. As you get older, like, you, you realize, like, there's just not a reason to say yes to everything. No, no. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's talk more about your experience with what is movement. And, to, you know, I mentioned this at the top of the show. And for somebody who could be listening to, listening to this and hasn't yet had a chance to visit your page and hear more about who you are in terms of your personal journey outside of your professional journey, let's start there. So first tell us about what is movement, but then tell me what you've experienced in your life that led you to that place.
0: Okay, so what is movement? When what is movement is a concept, that it's a show, I've now done seven episodes of it, um, and I'm in the process of figuring out what I'm gonna do with creating the next season. But um, the concept came to me I tried out for American Ninja Warrior several years ago. And in order to try out for those who are not familiar with the process, you do a submission video. I did this submission video. My ex-boyfriend was an editor. He made he filmed it, you know, made the video. Um, so it was a professional, huge, massive file. And he told me that if I wanted to make any changes, I had a two-hour window the next day. So I was trying to find a portal that would upload it. Uh, in you know fast enough time to send it out and get feedback, and so it wouldn't even upload onto my computer in less than 72 hours. That's how big the file was, and so I didn't have 72 hours. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. Facebook makes things really easy. You know, they want to get all of your data information, you know. So they, it took 10 minutes though on Facebook. That shows you how massive the file was. Most things, you know, go, up yeah, the wow. The they compress it. Um, so I uploaded it to Facebook. I made it private, you know, so only I could see it, it as a private album. And then I shared it with six people, you know, six people who were very close to me, like my parents, my sister, you know. Uh, my trainer my best friend those people um so the next morning I got a call at 6 a.m from my lawyer who was also a production partner at the time and he says I saw your video up on Facebook and I said yeah you know I wanted some feedback what you thought from a you know filmmaking perspective and he said no no I mean like it's up on Facebook and yeah, and so my manager, who is I, I call him my big brother, I put him in business years ago. Um, he's in New York, so they're both in New York. That's why he called me a exam, and uh, he said he shared it, and made it public, and so I went. I immediately started crying. Yeah, my I face was, right now so is like, oh go. shit,
1: because yeah, he like, um, I didn't give you permission to do that. <laughs> right.
0: And he, my, so he says to me, you're totally fine. Legally, you say it's submission video, the worst they can do is not pick you. And he said, I honestly think that won't happen because he said the, the most impressive thing about your story is the reveal. Sure. So you're, you know, everybody's story is different, but he said mm-hmm. from an, a you know, TV entertainment perspective. Right. And what they're looking TV- for to bring
1: the wow factor to the show.
0: Right. And he said, but depending on the story, he said, mm-hmm. for you, it's really impressive to see what you can do and then find out your story. If you hear your story first, the reverse isn't. Yeah. Impact. The,
1: the empathy factor changes, right? Yeah. yeah. So,
0: he, uh, so he said, I have a feeling they won't pick you um, because your story now been released. And so I went to look um, and it had already been seen by 3000 people overnight. Wow. Which. You know, for me, I was certainly not somebody who had ever had a viral video. I don't even right. know if that counts as a viral video. But, you know, it was a lot of people for me to have a very personal video. Oh, so that's what he said to me. He said, well, I was just concerned because it's very personal. I've never sure. heard him share your story publicly before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, you know, so. I realized that, and I know Facebook's changed some of the way they uh, orchestrate their settings now, but at the time, if it had been made public, other people could continue to yep. share it, even if you took it yeah. down. Yeah. Um, so I realized there was no point in rescinding the video. And I just decided to trust that it was out there for whatever reason. And, you know, hopefully something positive come, come, it. Yeah. come of it. And I, you know, I didn't get picked to run the course. I gave myself a morning period. Literally, like I didn't do pull-off for six weeks. That's a very big deal. As you can see, I have a pull-up. Yeah. I
1: saw, I saw it in the corner.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I just emotionally couldn't, I needed to take some space and Respect uh, that. After. yeah. And after that time, I, you know, I'm a big believer in taking lessons from, and, you know, and using those lessons to help you move forward, propel, propel you. And, I don't just believe in, you know, you take the hard lessons too, because those are really important, but I also really believe in the power of hope. And so I want to always, uh, you know, take away something that was very positive that I can, you know, hold on to. And that helps me and inspires me and motivates me. So I, what was ubiquitous was this sentiment that people were so inspired by hearing my story. And... I, that really, uh, you know, spoke to me because I personally don't think of my story as very inspiring. I live with me day in and day out, you know, so, you know, I don't inspire myself all that much, but I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if I could create a platform for athletes with disabilities, it would be, you know, they inspire me so much and it would be rewarding and vindicating for them, I thought and inspiring for others to witness. And so it would be a win-win for everyone. I started to talk to some, you know, I had some friends who were athletes with disabilities and I realized the more I talked to them, the more I realized that most of them don't move uh, in spite of, they move because of. And that's where I came up with my premise. It was that all human beings are designed to move. The ways in which we do are our unique creative expressions. And that's how I came up with this idea for the show, When What is Movement? And we explore ways that movement helps people to heal emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so uh, the the first episode is based on my story. So I'll tell you a little bit about my story. So as I was saying in the beginning, my mom had the German measles during first trimester pregnancy. And that rendered me with several complications. My father actually caught uh, germ measles from my doctor my mom's doctor's wife and yeah he was really sick he had a fever of like 104 for over a week was delirious, but he never went to the hospital never got checked and what we knew because we knew that he had contracted it from the doctor's wife so 10 days later my mom found a you know, mild rash on her upper chest uh, but she was convinced that even though she didn't have the same symptoms that she had she too had for Bella, and so she did all this research. She went to the doctor to see. They can't test the titer to see if you're effective. But they can test the titer to test the baby. That would be me. And the di- the doctor was dyslexic. He read the titer as being one twelve. It was really one twenty one. Had he read the titer correctly, my mom would have been had an abortion. Um, so I would not be here to tell wow. the story. So I, when I was born, my it was Super Bowl Sunday. My dad wanted to watch the game, but not just watch the game. He wanted his friend, the doctor, to watch the game with him. I was not arriving conveniently. Punctuality has still not been a strong suit for me. So I, <laughs> as they wanted to induce labor so that they could watch the game. But when they gave my mom the epidural, <laughs> I had already started to crown. So my mom was tied up with spinal headache for the first two weeks of my my life oh my gosh she couldn't lift her head she couldn't hold me um but the doctors in the hospital in the meantime were covering up because they knew the doctor (laughs) was dyslexic yeah when they finally realized uh that I was born with rivella um it was because we had found somebody to remove a cataract when I was three months old and they found rivella they they left debris behind my eye and they had to do what's called a retinal cleanup In the retinal cleanup, they Mm -hmm. found rubella pigmentation behind my sighted eye. So just to give you a little. uh, So right when you were born,
1: you weren't diagnosed with it then, right? Because of that misread on the test. Wow. Wow.
0: So uh, some of the complications were uh, I was born with a cataract, but it's a, a microthalmic eye. There are lots of complications. At this point, I have glaucoma I don't see out of that eye. Um, I have bilateral hearing impairment. I learned how to speak actually by reading lips because we didn't know that I was hearing impaired. I didn't get hearing aids, so I was almost six years old. I, I've heard
1: that's very common with, with younger kids when they, they have a hearing dis, hearing disabilities early because you can't communicate. So it's not like you can use your words to tell your parents, like, I can't hear you. Yes. That's really challenging.
0: So, and it, for me, it was a, it, that is true. They don't always find it right away, but for me, it was actually much later.
1: Um, yeah, that is a I lot older because you could talk at that yeah. point. Yeah.
0: Yes, I could talk. Um, I learned how to speak by reading lips though. So, and that, that a lot of people don't do, you know, they mm-hmm. usually learn how to sign, which I never did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I... Yeah, I was born with a bilateral hearing impairment. I do wear hearing aids now. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. I was born with hypotonic limbs, so the muscles in my limbs did not develop. I had my growth was stunted. I had fine graphic motor impairment. I was using 10 teeth. They told my mom the best she could hope was to find an institution for me to spend my life.
1: That's wild. Look at you now. (laughs)
0: yeah if you're not if
1: you're if you're listening to this only and not seeing the video you would have never you would never guess that Courtney has experienced any of the things that she has and what was that like for your parents I mean have you guys have you talked to them about it since like obviously when you were younger I'm sure it was just like fight or flight mode like to stay positive get through it handle you know, well, the complications of the and surgeries hospital. and everything. Yeah. But now as an adult and you've had more time to reflect on it, have you talked to your parents about what it was like from their perspective to go through that?
0: I've talked, I've talked to my mom a lot. You know, my mom, my mom and I are incredibly close. You know, as a kid, she would always say to me, it's you and me against the world. Um, am <laughs> Um, cry. Yeah, she, you know, we're very, very close. And we've certainly discussed, you know, it, it's as much her journey as it is mine. Um, you know, actually, when I had first graduated from college, I, I don't know if you know who Steve Bannon is, but my mom had met him. You do. Um, And uh, he wanted to make a movie of my life story. And, That's so uh, cool. He brought it to Lifetime. They actually offered me $250,000 to buy the rights to my life story. I turned it down because I, they wanted the rights. They wouldn't let yeah. me be involved. And right. I said, what do you have? You don't own the rights to your life. Exactly. <laughs> so I, yeah, that was how I felt about it. I, I think I would still make the same choice today. I'm um, with you there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my mom and I have definitely discussed it quite a bit. And you know, it was a really trying time for her as well. And very much a tough journey for her. Um, you know, very different, you know, the experience she had with it, obviously. Um, But, you know, if anything, it was just as difficult and challenging for her, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, For my father, I tried so hard to talk to him about it. I remember coming home from college and the first break I had, I I said to him, so dad, you know, I don't blame you. I don't, like, this is not a, a guilt trip. I was really clear about you know, I just want to talk about it. Like, how do you feel about it? And, you know, how do you feel about, and he's like, what do you mean? How do I feel about what? And I was like about, you know, the fact that I was born, you know, with challenges and, you know, and what that, that meant and what are your thoughts on it? And Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk to him, just connect with him over it and see how he felt and, you know, really just have a conversation. His response was, you're fine. Aren't you fine? <laughs> yeah, <I'm> fine. <laughs> and he's like, so what are we talking about? Why are we having this conversation? I, go, I don't know. I-, I just thought it might be nice to have a conversation about it. And we, we try a few more times throughout, you know, periods. Uh I mean, he's no longer with us. But um, so I don't know. I mean, I think my father had a much harder time expressing how he felt about it. but Yeah. And I
1: mean, I'm sure even too, just like you said you're very close to their mom that's that's the bond of mother child mother daughter i think really like amplifies that but the, you know the like she literally brought you into this world so i do i i can identify with uh, that sentiment there and then i think there's a little male female element going on to the communication style yeah, and the response yeah, sure. so yeah so but yeah that's interesting i was more so I, I was intrigued because i i can imagine that a lot of times when you share your story, you talk about like your experience with it. But it, of course, because it was the minute you were born and you couldn't, you had to rely on other people. So that that's what really led me to think, oh, what, what has that been like for her mom?
0: Yeah, it was definitely really challenging for my mom. I I know that. And, it, you know, my, my mom was wonderful. She was a fighter. She was determined. She sought every avenue possible. Uh, My grandfather as well. My grandfather actually offered his eye. You know, they don't do eye transplants, but he had offered to give me his eye, you know, when I was an infant and they found out. Um, So they were really just uh, seeking every alternative uh, possibility. You know, a lot of the movement uh, oriented things that I think really developed a lot of my coping mechanisms. Yeah. uh, Is that how you really found
1: a passion for fitness?
0: Yeah. So my uh, mom had this idea of building a balance beam. So every other day of my childhood, I wore a patch over my sighted eye and I did not have hearing aids. So I was really essentially like blind and deaf every other day of my childhood. And uh, my mom thought that what if we created a balance beam to help her develop her vestibular sense, her proprioception, her, you know, and expand the kinosphere. To mm-hmm. compensate for sure. something yeah my first better. question
1: is like what has your proprioception been like that that's what it's i was curious
0: i broke my nose yeah. 10 times uh, I believe she, it. <laughs> yeah um so you know she came up with that idea and i would walk on the street wow. and then as if i completed it that would be you know every day at the end of the week then they would make it narrower and my grandfather built it oh you know, wow, so. that's so
1: cool and all did all of this happen in new jersey because you mentioned it all you happened re- in New Jersey. Where, up. what town did you grow up in?
0: Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Very nice. I, I'm Grand currently Washington.
1: sitting in Cranford and I grew up in Westfield. So, oh my not God. too far.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. And yeah. And I had a baby nurse who, um, because of the hypotonic limb, mm-hmm. she put me in a wet sandbox. And she said babies love sand and, you know, would create resistance. And she can see I had a very strong personality, even as a, an infant, yeah. she was poised just slightly out of reach. So that to, tr- to
1: really like train you to, to use your motor skills.
0: Worked. Wow. But when I was uh, about four years old, I went to day camp and I saw a balance beam in the gymnastics mm-hmm. uh, class and, and in the gym. And I ran over to it because it was familiar from yeah. when my grandfather had built and that I fell in love with gymnastics, and that was really my beginning. But I do attribute a lot of my, uh, you know, coping mechanisms and my mm-hmm. functionality um, and even my relatability to a lot of the early movement practices. So, yeah.
1: And how did you, you know, now now that you talked about your video for Ninja Warrior, I feel like I got to go look it up and watch it. Um, how did you weave that into your story. Like, let's talk about it from a t- storytelling perspective, because you mentioned in the conversation you had with your attorney and manager about the way you revealed it and and the way it was pieced together. Um, what did that look like? Kind of like walk us through like the way that the video is organized but my
0: video was very different than like most yeah videos it was really like i sat and told my story mm-hmm. and then,
1: rather um, than a bunch of like clips of you working out and yeah yeah
0: they, we did do I have montage, some of them but, okay you know okay, like, okay. Ways, um, sure but a lot of it was really just me sitting and telling my story um you know to the camera um I just, you know, up until that point, I really didn't share it. You know, I remember my manager used to tell me when I would go out for auditions, he would be like, you know, put your hair down, cover up the hearing aids. Like, you know, I had when I actually, when I first moved out here, this was a a terrible story. Um, I was so emotionally distraught over it, but I had done an audition and the casting director said to me, you know, I'm very torn. He's like, I don't think you're castable. And, you know, of course, I'm kind of like, okay, well, what can I do? You know, what, what did I need to do in my performance and my work? And I'm thinking that, and he says, well, you know, he's like, you have a bum eye. And he said, but you're a pretty girl. And he said, so I can't really cast you because, you know, I can't cast you for like crazy, you know, demented, like, you know, I, I don't remember all the horrible words he used to describe me, but he said... But that's what you would cast somebody with a bum eye and he said but you're a pretty girl and I can't do so I don't know what to do with you and I was devastated like hysteria sure. that
1: like, makes me annoyed just hearing that yeah
0: was, you know I I mean he was just blunt and you know that's that's Hollywood you know right and
1: you I, knew and you and couldn't I'm take not, it personally
0: yeah I'm not so thin-skinned you know especially not now yeah um, but that can't be <laughs> It's something I spent my, you know, it was obviously, it was my passion, it was my mm-hmm. career, and I spent a very long time, I moved actually out to LA to pursue. To. And, and you I also was-
1: sound like the type of person that um, you you knew you had, you're fully aware that you have disabilities, but the fact that you you decided, you know what, I'm gonna pursue acting. I'm sure in the back of your mind, you knew that that day was going to come when someone may say something like that to you, but you don't seem like the type of person that that was gonna stop you to go pursue something else.
0: No, I, it, I definitely wasn't. It was really just the way he said it. And he, he made it so final. Like there's just nothing, you're not castable. There's nothing we can do with
1: you. Right, things. like he was writing off your whole career. Not Basically, even, right? not, yeah. not just that role
0: yeah exactly and so he's like there's just no place for you you know um so it was you know definitely uh i i had for a long for most of my life because i was mainstream because i was so (laughs) bullied you know i really didn't share my story publicly it was just not you know obviously my close friends know but i i even i'll share this with you i i From a very early age, because I have a microthalmic eye. What that means Mm -hmm. is that one eye is small. Are you familiar? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, one eye is smaller than the other. Uh, When they did the cataract procedure, they pulled the iris. Um, So it's not a normal eye. There's nothing normal about it. Um, So it doesn't have a lens. Like there's, it's it's just, it's different. And so from very early age, and they're two different colors, they're (laughs) I would work with an artist. They would take pictures of my eye, and I would work with an artist to help uh, develop a a contact lens, a cosmetic lens that could match. That could match. Cool. And so, you know, I did that for most of my life. I still do that today. Um, I years ago did get actually after I moved out here, I got an Irish implant put in.
1: Um, I didn't even know they made those.
0: Yeah, it's. I was in the clinical trials. Wow. (laughs) Um, I don't even know if they're out of clinical trials, but you know, there was, a, I, we were hopeful there might be some vision, you know, but it really, we knew that it would be a cosmetic procedure and the mm-hmm. result was not what we had hoped for at all. Um, the colors are closer to matching, but because of the microthalamic eye, they couldn't make it the same size. Right. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, there's just, I spent so much of my life trying to be mainstreamed mm-hmm. and to overcome that I, it just wasn't something I talked about. I didn't share it with people. I, you know, yeah. So so what that changed for was you? Really-
1: was that video the turning point for you? Because, it, well, because you know, you made the comment. Really- yeah, 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 right. Exactly. And you even made the comment like it wasn't your intention to release it publicly, but then it happened. So you felt like it had to have happened for a reason.
0: Well, it was the responses. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, first of all, I had no control over the fact that, you know, that at this point, it was out there thousand people have seen it, you know, and possibly more now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, so one, it was, you know, out of my hands, it was released. Um, But two, I saw how much it was, it was helping others. And, you know, that had tremendous value for me. Like, if, if my suffering can help somebody else, then that's, you know, that's the ultimate, uh, sense of, uh, purpose. And that's incredibly gratifying, you know, to feel like what I there, that there was some, I can attribute some sort of meaning to the, the things that I have, uh, you know, endured. Um, and if it can Absolutely. help somebody else and ben- and they can benefit and they, it can, you know, teach them lessons and spare them, you know, pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so That, that was part of it. And that was part of why I was a, you know, I felt called in a sense, it was like my hero's journey, you know, I felt responsibility to, to share the experience, if any. And I also am a huge believer that one of the things that makes human beings so incredible and so unique is that we can learn by proxy. And so we do have a duty to share, um, you know, our, Uh, Not just our experiences, but the lessons we learn from them Mm -hmm. so that others can benefit.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really to tie it back to social media, you know, us talking about the challenges with it. I think that's the part of it that's super rewarding that even though it can feel tedious at times or pressure driven to just be present in it instead of what else is going on around you when you can remind yourself that that is most likely going to be the result not all the time but if that's the place that you're leading from the content and sure. the way you drive it will be steered in that direction that's what feels really good about it
0: yeah it, you know it, it's 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 tough though it's incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. I, I i've been for a lot you yeah know? no but, i
1: totally get that
0: yeah so it's incredibly vulnerable um but I do feel that there is, uh, you know, if I can help somebody by sharing my my story, then you know that's that's a huge honor. So,
1: what was your training like for Ninja Warrior? What'd you do? <laughs> um,
0: so it's really funny. run around that and find some
1: obstacle happened. courses.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, the way that that came about was I had a trainer at the time. You know, what I so what. I'm very vocal about, you know, certainly through the show, a lot of people Mm -hmm. know how much training has influenced my physical development and physical overcoming. But I think the part that people don't know as much about is, you know, the mental health aspect of it Um, and, you know, what it has done for my emotional um, well-being. And it has always been the one consistent kind of in my life that I've always turned to in, you know, low points. Um, I, you know, I, I, it's really fun to have goals like Ninja warrior or to have, you know, uh, strength goals or, you know, what, whatever the goal may be. I I think that's super fun and it's really motivating. Um, but the reality is for me, movement is much more of a emotional, um, and personal development tool than anything. And there have been times in my life that were really, really difficult. And the one thing I felt that training was my therapy. And so I was, I've always been very consistent in keeping that in my life. Love I mean, it. It has to close with what I do with it. But of course. So I had a a trainer at the time, and he was convinced my whole entire life would just fall into place magically if I could get more sleep. And he's like, your problem is you can't get your brain to shut off. So you need like mindless reality television to put you to sleep. So one day he comes in really excited, and he's like, I have it, I have it. I'm like, what, what? He's like, the perfect mindless reality television show to put you to sleep. I don't know why he thought this was gonna be soporific material for anyone, but certainly not for me. Um, but he starts telling me this whole story about this girl who, you know, she she combated the the work wall and she's the first person to do it. And, you know, he was like, she's about your size and she's a former gymnast. And I was like, okay, you know, that sounds cool, yeah. So he, in the middle of like, we're in between squat sets and he's yeah. like, show you the video. He shows me the video. And I was like, oh my gosh, that looks like so much fun. So, on my drive home, I'm like, kind I can't stop thinking about it. I'm like, Could I train for that? Like, that'd be awesome. And he says to me, Well, it's your weakest points, it's grip strength and speed. And I'm like, Well, you know, isn't that the point of training? Like, yeah, I like good work the- on the weak stuff. Why would I hire you to help me? Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, So, what did we do? I, you know, we certainly did like, you know, uh, very like, you know, our programming, when mm-hmm. I worked with him, there were very specific kind of like pull-ups, a lot okay. of pull-ups. And yeah. A lot of yeah. You and mentioned training. you
1: had to take six weeks off from pull-ups. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I imagine you were doing a ton.
0: Yes. Um, but the, other aspect of it was a lot of me like reaching out and networking and finding obstacle courses and you know uh gyms that were set mm-hmm. up close by sure other people to train with and find out the type of like balance training right uh, that they did um so and that was super fun you know I yeah that's great
1: you took it in and, like you took your movement journey in such a different direction it really makes me think of um you know, people like, I don't know if you follow her, but she posted a great video yesterday about self-love. Do you know Kaisa Kernan? I'm probably yeah, bitching her last yeah, name. I, I love I, her, she's like my idol. I, I, like if, when I, uh, she does some really cool tricks in the gym and yeah. some of them I can mimic and some of them are failures. <laughs> but if anyone gives me a compliment that is like, oh, you remind me of her, I'm like, yes. I, I just really I, I like her.
0: I could see that. I, I was just thinking that. You yeah, I you love
1: her. That. Well, thank you. I'm so happy. <laughs> but she posted something amazing yesterday and the whole idea of like even her word choice with movement, it's very deliberate. And I think it aligns with your viewpoint on, on your experience and journey from how you first started training with from balance to gymnastics, then to just more of this like functional fitness and through the journey of like, let me do something fun and different and challenging. Talk about how like she was an athlete, she had this like very purpose driven idea to why she was working out. And then the minute that went away, she was like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And fast forward through all of the pandemic and fitness shifting. And she's really branded herself on like being the person who finds items in her house and shows you how to work out with them. Like she did that years ago and now it's totally come back. Um, And she posted this amazing video on Instagram talking about how self-love can actually be toxic because this idea of like, you should just look in the mirror and tell yourself that you're fucking amazing all the time without acknowledging that shit is really hard. And she was like, I have had said to myself so many times this year, and it made me feel really like, I felt heard when she said this. She was like, I am this fitness expert. And she was like, if I'm being really honest, I hate this idea of like almost toxic self-love that we're seeing on social media, because I can sit there all day long and tell myself in the mirror, that I am, you know, positive and amazing and strong and da 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 and all these things. But I've also called myself a fraud like a hundred times because she was like, if I'm being frank, I'm at my unhealthiest that I've been in the last 12 months because the pandemic has been tough and it's changed her industry. And she was already doing a lot of stuff online, but she probably didn't have access to the same tools that she loves to work out with. And, and it changed her routine. And she was like, There have been so many times where I'm sitting there beating myself up, and she's literally getting tears in her eyes as she's saying this, that I've said in the mirror, I am a fraud. I'm telling these people to move, and I don't even want to move myself. So I hear a lot of in your story, just like, you know, you said you had to give yourself the time to grieve of like, I'm not gonna do any pulps right now. That's totally okay. There's so many parallels to that, and I really love that you have even though it sounds like it was almost by accident, <laughs> you have found the strength to now really like lean into the vulnerability of sharing your story. And I think that's very beautiful.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Her, her uh, message resonates very strongly for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, you know, she, she has the the slogan just move and yeah, exactly. You know, that's really, it, that really is what it is for me. And I, I totally relate this year has been really tough in terms of uh, you know, in terms of fitness, because I, I was working in two gyms. I was let go from both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear you there, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the gyms were shut down and then, you know, then they were requiring masks. And for me wearing a mask while I train, is just dangerous. It's um, also I, i so not- hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't really encourage it for anybody, but for me, I'm blind in one eye. I already struggle with limited, uh, peripheral vision sure I sure you send the peripheral vision that somebody who sees bilaterally does mm-hmm. and i don't get motion parallax so my depth perception is you know something i have to factor intellectually yeah and so, so wearing a mask that like literal like,
1: stress on your body of not being able to breathe it's that not, well capacity. it's physically
0: dangerous yeah. i can't mm-hmm. do dynamic movements with a mask on it's just yeah. i'm not adding that extra you know uh risk to sure. my sure. workouts it's just not worth it so yeah, so it's been it's been very tough. And you know, that there's only so much motivation that you can have in like right. The- and I think the-
1: that was her point. You know, it's like she she knows, like she recognizes that. Like she's trying to make it fun and she's trying to make it interesting. But at the end of the day, it's all right if there's just days that you don't feel it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've really kind of gone back to is, you know not just making it fun, but sometimes it's just that I need to literally just move. So sometimes it's like going for a long walk. Sometimes it's like, you know, taking the stairs instead of the elevator and just just getting the blood flowing. And, you know, sometimes like in between podcasts, I'll hop on and just do a couple of pull-ups, you know, it's like, it's just to because it is so important for your mental state, it's important to prevent cognitive decline. Obviously it's important for physical health, um, but it is, it, so it's something I don't want to just abandon, but I, I understand that it's definitely been a challenge to, totally. you don't have the same routine and it's hard to no, feel that like was you're the worst part towards...
1: for me. Like, what oh, are you driving towards? For, yeah.
0: The worst part for me was that, um, all the aerial studios were closed and I was up until the lockdowns. I was really uh, getting into motivational. Well, no, I, I was a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. I did aerial acrobatic performances. Oh, cool. Nice. Um, And I was, actually, the weekend of the lockdown, I was, uh, was supposed to do a pole competition. So it, it was a really big part of my life. I mean, I did aerial several times a week. I was, you know, preparing for a competition for, on pole. Um, this wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't just a kind of ancillary type.
1: Sure. Option. Like it was, yeah, it, it was your driver for a yeah. time. Yeah. So
0: that was really, I, I honestly, it was devastating.
1: I'm sure. And it's like, you know, you're working so hard towards something. I think there's lots of people who do, uh, you know, bikini competitions and things like that too, that I totally felt that way. It's like, if they were in the middle of going through the process of leaning out and training for and programming towards something like that, it's like, do I continue? Um, and I know a lot of people who did, but if they, if they didn't, I, I would respect that too. Like it's, it's just
0: not the same. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, it's not the same. So, yeah, so I totally respect that. And, uh, you know, and I've gotten like more reconnected with just my passion for moving as opposed Mm -hmm. to my, you know. Deliberate like training, yeah. Right, right, like having the goals and like accomplishing those. I think that's actually really important and I I don't want to undermine that. But, you know, there's a time and a place and so sometimes, you know, just figure out what, what it is to do for your health. And so for me, like, You know, it's been more about getting to when I can get to a gym, it's like Mm -hmm. that connection with people and being outside in that environment and, you know, having the weights, you know, and working on whatever goals I can achieve at that time. And then if it's just in my apartment doing the things that I'm doing here, it's, you know, but it's just a a reminder that, you know, I'm in this for the long game. I want to be able to move when I'm 80 years old. And, absolutely. And I love and I'm passionate about. So
1: absolutely. Yeah. So important. Well, Courtney, I'm sure we can talk all day long and I yes. want to be hundred percent respectful of your time because if you're recording yes. four podcasts today, you're a busy lady. <laughs> so yes. let's move yeah. into right. our lightning round and then I'll get you all on right. your way. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. So we'll we'll stay on the fitness trend to start it off. What is your favorite movement? Like if you could only do one movement for the rest of your life, what would you do?
0: Probably pull-ups. <laughs> pull-ups. Yeah.
1: Okay. I, I thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your least favorite? If you could avoid one forever and ever, what would it be? Ooh.
0: Snatches. I don't love snatches really okay yeah. I love them I would do them forever actually you know what sorry let the chain that's right it's any, and I just I, I didn't even think of this but the uh, the reason I didn't is because I I just don't really do them mm-hmm. is any kind of like catch release thing like lache like jumping to a bar uh-huh. just because I can't see I just don't do them that's why I didn't even sure. think of it yeah I already avoid them
1: yeah, I, I could understand, understandably so. We'll, we'll give you more than a pass there. I think that's just like the safe thing to do, right? <laughs> uh, what is your, we didn't really talk a lot about like diet or nutrition or anything. What are some, some of kind of like your go-to snacks and tell us like your favorite really healthy ones and then maybe some of
0: more of your guilty pleasures. All right. So I, I'm i a huge fan right now of, uh, I just tried, the, they're called uh, carnivore crisps. Oh, I don't know
1: those, what
0: are they? Yeah, so they're essentially like beef jerky, but they're like more like more dried, more dehydrated, so like chips. Um, So yeah, I think like, you know, I'm not, I've gone through all sorts of, you know, if there's a diet, I've tried it pretty much. Uh, You know, I've done nutrition coaching as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm very versed in all of that, but I find that, you know, being super rigid about it's just not sustainable for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what my real, like, like primary things to think about is just, it's important to get protein and it's Mm -hmm. important to get vegetables. Those those are kind of like my two pillars drivers. Okay. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Those would be like the main pillars. So, yeah. So I try to make a high protein snack. So if it's like the carnivore chips, like beef jerky, those are really great Mm go-tos. Um, what's it called? Uh. Skier, which is like an Icelandic, uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I I'm a huge fan of thorns, ManyClear. Um, oh, a, I don't know what it's that a, is. It's a vitamin protein shake, and okay. I think the one, one, um, which is a uh, great for uh, phase two uh, estrogen metabolism. Okay. Uh, so I encourage that for women who are having you know certain hormonal issues. That's mm-hmm. a great one, but it's a great multivitamin as well. Um, I wouldn't recommend taking it without consulting your doctor or naturopath, yes, but of course, um, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. I want to put that disclaimer out there. Um, so what am I like more guilty? I don't necessarily have like guilty, uh, snacks so much. Um, I love, I'm a huge Froyo fan. Froyo is um, the best. Like it's just the consistency yeah, is Froyo. so
1: good. Yeah. Get the yeah. toppings on there.
0: Froyo. Um, I actually love Halo Top ice cream, which it, I actually prefer that to real ice cream. Okay. Uh, so I'm just, I don't know, I guess. Yeah. Those are great ones. I'm not like, like snacker. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer actually like to have a meal. Yeah. Like I'm somebody who, like, I really love like dinners with friends and like mm-hmm. sit down and the experience. myself.
1: Sure. Yeah. That's great. That's super important. Moving away from the fitness and somewhat tied to it. Yeah. What. If you could kind of like look back and, you know, you were much younger and have been dealing with a lot of these challenges throughout your entire life, what was the most, re- maybe rewarding, um, rather than looking at it as challenging, but like the most rewarding kind of like prognosis that was given to you and your family, where you were, you're, you were told like, you're not gonna be able to do this thing and then now you can do it. Like, is there one activity or skill or something that you're just like, really proud of yourself that you kind of defied those odds it's
0: a hard one yeah if there's there, a couple there so many. yeah there's so many um you know I know a huge one for my mom I was really really young um there weren't many Revella clinics but there was one left because I was in that in between mm-hmm. like the vaccine was already out yeah and, and you know Rebella just was not very common at the time, so the one that was left was the Roosevelt Institute, and uh, I I went there when I was very very young, and you know they they when they did find out that I w- I had congenital rebella, they and they told my mom to find a nice institution for me to spend my life. Um, they you know were really convinced that I was going to be completely blind, completely deaf, autistic, retarded. Um, You know, because that was the prognosis for many of them. And, uh, I was also doing a lot of these, uh, hand gesturing and mimicking. And part of it, when I look at the, the picture of me as an infant, it's so strange to me. The doctors didn't understand what I was doing. Cause it's so clear to me. I was obviously trying to figure out like I would hold an object or even my hand, trying to figure out why I could see it here. And I couldn't see it there.
1: Oh, like when you change the position, like it was still in your, like you knew you had the vision, but only in like a certain spatial pattern.
0: Exactly. Okay. So, um, and I also, because I would learn how to speak by reading lips, I did a lot of imitating and I would mimic um, and I created something called Bubble Land. It was like my world that, because I was not very accepted into other people's, you know, because, so I created my own world and I, you had to, I would blow bubbles to get there and you had to be invited by me Um, and we spoke gibberish and the amazing thing about kids is that they are masters of improv and so yeah and resilience the yes and and they also rely very heavily on nonverbal communication Mm -hmm. so we spoke gibberish and understood each other perfectly
1: that's so cool and
0: it it was really awesome so uh the roosevelt institute told my mom that they knew that i was going to be okay because i had such a vivid imagination and that my imagination all the things that they thought were you know, my, the reason, the indicators of being autistic or challenged, uh, the mimicking and so forth, they said were me using my imagination and my uh, act of play as a coping mechanism. And they knew that I was going to be okay. So that's
1: fascinating. I know
0: that was a really huge one for my mom. I think for me, the biggest accomplishment I always think of uh, as a child was in gymnastics, you know, there were the the, the team, the big girls who were on the gymnastics team and they, they were the cool kids and I really wanted to be on the gymnastics team and I watched them, they were doing back walkovers on the beam one day and my uh, coach, you know, I wasn't on the team at the time and uh, my coach was like, gave me this rule that I was never allowed to do a back walkover on the beam. She said between my hearing and my sight that, you know, I was never gonna have the balance to be able to go in a straight line. It was just much too dangerous. So. I kept working on the line on the floor and I would start doing back walkovers and keep the line. And once I, you know, mastered that, like I knew I could always get it on the line and land, I started working on low beam, you know, put mats next to it. And I gradually worked to the middle beam, you know, pulled the mats away and then got to where I can do back walkover on the high beam. Wow. so one day I was really, really proud. And I, I was like, I showed my coach, I was like, I have something I have to show you. And afterwards, she's very stern. She says to me, come into my office. And I I was terrified. I thought, you know, I was in really big trouble. I had totally defied her. Um, And even though I was successful, you know, I did break her rules. So um, I I was afraid that I would be punished for it. And she says to me, so I can give you, and she holds up like, you know, she's like a T-shirt. And she said, or... And then she pulls up jacket and it was the team jacket. And I said, well, if I take that, does that mean I'm on the team? And she said, yeah. And wow. so, That's yeah. incredible. Thank you for
1: sharing that. That's a really cool story. Last one. Where can we find you? What is your shameless plug? If we're gonna go check out any of your, you know, your various, we'll call them projects because you've got your multiple podcasts and publications. Um, what's, what's kind of like your overarching message? And where can we connect with you
0: online? All right. So I have CourtneyTurner.com is my website. Um, TruthMatters.biz will be up soon. I am on uh, Instagram at Kinetic Courts. I'm on Facebook at Courtney Turner. Um, And uh, yeah, definitely check out the Courtney Turner podcast. I'm on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts or watch them. Um, and, uh, yeah, and if you're interested in Truth Matters, we're on Telegram and, uh, yeah. So... Thank
1: you so much. We'll be sure to link all of that down in the show notes, so it's super easy for everyone to find too. Courtney, it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you today. I'm really excited to continue to watch all of the amazing things you build and the stories that you share. I really appreciate your time and just love your energy from coast to coast. Can feel it all the way over here. Hopefully brought you back to your NJ roots a little bit, right?
0: Um, yes, yes. i might be back
1: there soon. Well, cool. Well, we'll stay in touch for sure. Hope you have an excellent rest of your day. And for everybody who's been listening to this, this has been another incredible episode of the fix. Hope you guys enjoyed linking up with Courtney today as a reminder at the end of every episode, if you got any benefit from this message, we would both so appreciate if you'd share it with a friend to help really grow both of our audiences and continue to spread such amazing messages through the people I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to connect with through this platform as Courtney shared that's really the incredible part about podcasting and I know I get a lot of fulfillment out of that aspect of it so I totally relate to you there but for everyone who tuned into the episode we appreciate you share it leave a comment tell us how you liked it Um, if you want to connect with Courtney we'll make it super easy to find her and this has been the fix hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day